We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. Every child deserves a team. That's the belief behind Jigsaw Learning, a proud sponsor of the Bee Podcast Network. And it's why the company, founded by educators Curtis and Lorna Hewson, focuses on ensuring success for all learners through collaborative response an approach in which every child is supported by a team. Through customized professional learning that incorporates workshops, leadership development, online learning opportunities, and more, Jigsaw Learning can guide you every step of the way to create a plan to maximize the collective capacity in your schools. Learn more at jigsawlearning.ca. If a teacher does show those signs, I think that there isn't always a need to wait for them to come to you. I think that's a chance for you as a leader to step up and show up. Dr. Chris Jones here and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Amber Harper is an educator, author, speaker, podcaster, and teacher burnout coach. She's the founder of www.burnedinteacher.com, author of Hacking Teacher Burnout, and is dedicated to empowering burned out teachers to believe that they deserve and can achieve a happier and more fulfilled career and life with her eight-step burned in process. I am so happy to have Amber on the show today when she talks about empowering teachers that's right up my alley. And I loved our conversation when I was lucky enough to be a guest on her podcast. So welcome, Amber. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be a guest on your podcast. You know, it was almost two years ago that you were on mine. Two years. Mm -hmm. I can't believe it was that long ago. I know. I know. (laughs) It feels like yesterday. That was that was a great conversation um, about these different things. But mm-hmm. just so the listeners to this podcast have an idea uh, a little bit more about you, why don't we start off by you telling us why you do what you do and why you're passionate about it? Yeah, great question. Um, I love that you're starting out with why. <laughs> That's really important. <laughs> yeah. So I created Burned In Teacher in 2016 when I was still teaching full time because I was extremely tired of being told the same thing over and over again whenever I was seeking help in many different ways. I was tired of being told just to practice self-care. I thought that was very relative and I was taking care of my body. I worked out. I um, drank enough water. I ate healthy food. I had great friends. I'm so blessed with a wonderful family and I was still miserable. And anytime 
time that I searched for help outside of, you know, the proverbial four walls of my school or my classroom, I found the same. And I decided since I couldn't find anything to support me in the way that I felt that I needed, that I would create it for myself. And I tell people all the time that I created Burned In Teacher out of my own burnout because I don't want teachers to feel alone and isolated without a plan, without a path, and without the community support that's that some teachers, you know, some teachers, they they really do figure it out and and there may be a little bit more mentally strong than I was or that I even am now because I still use the burn-in process in my own life. I actually had to use it over spring break. And, uh, you know, they are my why. My why are those teachers that are seeking. They don't want to live this burned out life. They don't want to settle for burnout as their sentence as a teacher, but they don't know the way out of it. So now, I, I mean, that's, that's a great why. And I love the idea that you use your own system. Mm-hmm. which which is gives a whole lot towards the idea of modeling and authenticity and just really how invested you are in it. Short of, and I'm going to give you a plug early on because I think leaders listening to this podcast definitely need to look at you as a resource for their teachers. And I think teachers listening to this podcast definitely need to check you out as well. I <laughs> honestly mean it because of your system. So for those leaders that have teachers that are getting burned out or that are showing signs of burned out because oftentimes they're subtle or that even are to the point where they come to leaders and ask them what they can do short of giving them your phone number. <laughs> what, <laughs> what can leaders do? What are some strategies that leaders can take to help teachers through that? Don't just stop at the you know self-care thing. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting, Chris. I want to back up a little bit about something you just said. You said the signs of burnout are sometimes very subtle. And that is true. You know, a teacher can be very burned out and struggling a lot internally and crying alone in his or her car on the way to school or on the way home without really telling anybody because they have a lot of shame about it. But signs of burnout are also very outwardly shown sometimes, you know, in the need to have the very last word at a meeting. You know what I'm talking about. I've been there. (laughs) Um, Also, you know, in the form of yelling, crying, isolating themselves to their classroom. Like those are all signs. And, And even saying things like, I'm just surviving. I'm surviving the weekend or until the weekend. I'm surviving until spring break, or I'm just keeping my head above water. Like all of those things that are now normalized to say, in schools are things to be paying attention to. And if a teacher does show those signs, I think that there isn't always a need to wait for them to come to you. I think that's a chance for you as a leader to step up and show up and and let them know that you hear them. But past that negative comment or that negative nasty thing that maybe they slid in and said, looking deeper than that and saying, are you okay? Can I how can I help you? Is is everything okay? And I mean, I can tell you, especially if they're at a stage zero of burnout where they don't want to hear any ideas, they don't want to be given any suggestions because they don't see any other options for them than to live this burned out life. They're probably going to say, I'm fine. It's fine. Or, you know, hashtag COVID. Right. Right. So So, (laughs) go ahead. So I was going to say, so what, so what are some ways to pry without prying? Because I, you know, it's interesting. A lot of times if a teacher says that nasty comment or is a pain in that meeting and it beca- it's because they're burned out, oftentimes leaders tend to internalize that and personalize it. And so they don't, they don't step up and, and forget about the idea of saying it's about them and then reach out and help the teacher. Well, it's really interesting because it's absolutely not even a percentage point different than when a student does it to a teacher. 
It's exactly the same thing. It's not personal. So if a, if a student was to call a teacher a bad name or, you know, come in and throw their, you know, throw their backpack across the, the room and slam themselves down, like that's not personal. There's something happening. You know, have, I'm sure you've heard the quote, you know, students aren't giving you a hard time. They're having a hard time. It's right. no different between a leader and a teacher. And I, this is a chance for us to truly connect on a human level and say, I'm a human. I know that, you know, things are hard right now, but we don't know what people are dealing with, especially, you know, in their personal lives. We don't know, especially now with all of the extreme hardships that people, I mean, people are losing family members and friends right. and then having to go to work. And, and, and in some cases, they're losing more than one friend or more than one family member. And there, there's a lot of personalization that can come into play that is simply just continuing to show up and say, I see you, I hear you. And when you're ready, I'm here for you because you really can't force anybody to share something that they don't want to share. And everybody's personality is different. That's another thing too, is like, you can't just take things personally when, when, when people are out outwardly negative or objecting or, or sad, you know, it's not because of you. And it's so easy for us to make it about us. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe she said that. That's so rude. That's so disrespectful. Well, yeah, it, maybe it was, but let's get behind that and say, you know, I noticed that you said this, or I noticed that, you know, I, I, you, you used to behave this way, or you used to say this stuff and you don't say that anymore. I just want you to know, I noticed and I'm here for you if you need me. Those are such powerful words to say I noticed because who doesn't want to be noticed? Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, you know, the, the teacher that's crying in their car on the way home, as sad as that sounds, or the teacher that, you know, just has had enough at the end of a day and sits there and puts their head on their desk. There's nothing that is more powerful than to have somebody notice them and notice their struggle mm -hmm. and begin to help them, at least in my opinion. And to listen as a human, not just to listen as, um, as a fellow teacher or as their, you know, their boss, their leader. But to be able to connect on that level is so, so important. And I think if there's anything that is good to have come out of the pandemic and pandemic teaching is the opportunity that we have to say, we are literally all going through this together. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of toxic positivity going on and the opposite end of that spectrum where we're all in this together and then you never see me. Right. Like right. I'm never around, you know, because I've dealt with that myself. And this was obviously pre-pandemic where we're all in this together. We're a family and I never see you. Yeah, that's that can't happen. I'm, I mean, mm -hmm. if because we are all to a certain extent going through it, but that doesn't excuse leaders from going through it even a little more to make sure that right. people know that they're right. going through it. Because if, right. quite honestly, I, I mean, a leader can get tied up down in the office and before they know it, the day is over, but that's not acceptable because yes, they're going through their thing, but the teachers need to see that yeah. a leader's there with them. Well, and that's another thing too. My husband is a principal. I don't know if you remember me telling you that yep. several years ago. So my husband is an elementary school principal. Coincidentally, at the school that I was before he became the principal there, I, I worked there my last three years of teaching. So he he loves to be in the class. Like that's why he became a principal. So he could get into multiple classrooms and, and engage with multiple students. And, and of course he loves his teachers. If he is not visible for you know, of course, you're going to have your days where like right now he's at a meeting all day. But if that were to happen day after day after day where he wasn't in a classroom, teachers would notice. They would know that something was off. Something was different. 
you know, and I think that that says a lot about what is normal versus you're going to have periods of the year pandemic or not, where things are just a little bit more stressful. You have a little bit more, you know, prep to do or more meetings than, than usual. Like that's normal to have kind of that ebb and flow. But when you are working at that, that baseline of who you are, what you stand for, what you believe in, and if you're paying enough attention, you know, when something is off, you know, whether it be a team member, you know, I taught first grade, I could tell you in a second, if something was off with my teaching partner, Cassie, because we knew each other so well, and we knew how to read one another. And we were there for each other when we needed it, whether it was just to say, Hey, are you okay? No, I'm not okay. But I don't want to talk about it right now. Just to say, I see you. Right. And and to go back to that idea of, I see you and you're valued because if you say, I see you to somebody, that means they're of value. And quite often when we're in those dark moments, we don't feel as if we were valued. We lose sight of our own value. Right. Absolutely. And a lot of teachers have lost their identity if they're teaching behind a screen for that extended amount of time. You know, they got into this profession to impact kids, to help change kids' lives, to give kids hope and to share the love of learning. And when they can't, they literally can't see them. That, that just take, why am I here? If I can't even see my kids, you know, or if I can't, I can't get close to them, you know, I can't like give my firsties a hug, you know, that kind of thing. Like that just takes, that takes so much of that, that worth, you know, like that's why I'm here to love on these kids and to give them hope. You know, a lot of times this, this is the place, this is the time of the student's day where they feel the most valued is at school. And those teachers that want to be there, you know, this is throwing a wrench in, you know, if they weren't already going through burnout before, Four, this has just added another layer of, gosh, is this how it's going to be forever? And, you know, how, what's it going to be? There's just all these what ifs, like, what if this isn't over next year? And like, what's to come? And I think that's something else that needs to be addressed is, you know, how are we going to keep focusing on the future when the reality of the, our current situation is so dire and, and so challenging? I love the fact that you said, is this ever going to end or are we going to be in this forever? Because I was having a discussion the other day where schools are so time bound and, and working in schools, that makes people so time bound. And really when you're setting goals, when you think about setting goals or achieving anything, it's the idea that it's finite and you can see where the end is and then you can work towards that end. So really you can get through any hardship if you know when it's going to end. The fact that we have no idea when this is going to end. We don't even see the proverbial light at the end of the tunnel because things lighten up a little bit and then they get bad again. So that's what I'm finding is so difficult as a leader for not just leaders, but for teachers too. Because now that whole timeliness thing or that time-bound system that we have is kind of tossed out the window. Yeah. And I think this is a this is an opportunity to, and, that, and that's what I really talk about um, in my talk with schools. I talk about burnout as an opportunity instead of a sentence, because I think when we go through burnout and any time that I, if I reflect on times when I was teaching, when I went through burnout and I went through it many times for many different reasons, um, or even now as a teacher burnout coach, when I start to feel the signs of burnout, I now, instead of looking like, oh God, here we go. I'm like, okay, what needs to change? And I think that, and and I especially in the last few years have talked a lot about time, but I've recently, especially in this last round of the mastermind that I've been going through is I think that we should talk more about energy and how we only have a finite amount of energy and that when we have the demands that we have right now, when, especially when it comes to pandemic teaching, that we really have to assess even more than time, what is sucking our energy and what we can do about it. 
as far as, you know, looking even at things just like time, like opportunity cost. Well, if I say yes to this, this is going to take a lot of energy. So what am I going to take away that I can pull some of the energy that I would have given to this, to this thing over here? And um, it's, it's definitely a different way of looking at something. But I think, you know, to use that word exhausted, you know, earlier we were chatting before you hit record, you know, we were talking about exhausted. Like that's an, one of the number one words that I see. Overwhelm and exhaustion, frustrated. Uh, those are words that I hear all the time. And so I think that that's an opportunity to look at. And that's kind of the beginning of the burn-in process is, okay, what's, when did this start? Did this start during the pandemic or did this start before? And what continues to trigger it? What is, what do you notice where in your day are you noticing that that energy is depleting or you're feeling extra frustrated? And it's it's a lot of paying attention at first, especially. That's a great point that you bring up. I mean, you're bringing up a, a, a ton of them, but the idea that maybe this feeling didn't originate because of COVID, but the, the whole pandemic thing has just laid bare all the things that you had hiding it before and all the mm-hmm. structures that you had covering it up before. So it's it's more about treating the problem rather than the symptoms of the problem. Exactly, right? And you know, what's ironic about this is that there are some teachers who have loved teaching from home. They've loved it. <laughs> yep. You know, so we can't overgeneralize and say that everybody hates teaching online because it's not true. There are some teachers who don't want to go back. To, they still want to keep teaching, but they want to teach from home. There are some teachers that really enjoy it. So uh, it, it's actually alleviated some of their causes for burnout. You know, those teachers who are more introverted, it takes a lot of energy for them to be on all day with a large group of people, even if they're little people like kindergartners. It's a lot. And I think that these are important things to pay attention to, especially if a teacher is going back into the classroom when they really enjoyed working from home and looking at this as an opportunity to say, okay, what about it did you like? And how how could we potentially bring some of those elements of things, you know, into your classroom? Or does this mean like maybe, maybe you need to work more in technology, you know? So there needs, you know, there's just an opportunity for us to pay attention to those little things or those feelings or those things that you're saying either to yourself or outwardly when they start to rear their ugly heads instead of maybe their ugly heads, we can say, okay, what is this? What is this? And, and I I better pay attention to it because it's not going to go away. It's going to stay there and fester unless I do something with this. Instead of rear their ugly heads, rear their informative heads. Informative heads, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to go maybe a little deeper, maybe a little sure. bit of vulnerability here. You're talking about paying attention, listening, and you know one of the strategies leaders use is being visible and things like that. That all have to do with being an authentic human being and caring authentically for other human beings. Can you think of a story about or an example of? where some of these things came into play for you, maybe a time where you didn't do that well, um, or you were struggling with burnout and some things that a leader could have done. Now, whether they did it or not, that's irrelevant, but things they could have done to help you with that. Yeah, absolutely. So I tell the story a lot of where I had <laughs> I had a very emotional breakdown in front of my very good colleague, very good friends um, that I got to teach with. We were a, a big team of nine third grade teachers. And back in 2014, fall of 2014, I had been struggling for over a year. 
with many things. And, and one of these things is that I kept beating myself up because I wanted a change, but I didn't know what I wanted. And I felt ungrateful because I loved the people I taught with. I loved my students. I loved the subject matter that I taught. I taught a self-contained high ability classroom and we got to do really cool things. And I just, I loved them, but I was miserable. And again, I sought some, you know, I, we could Google things at that point, like, and really find, you know, that, that was when Pinterest started to come out and, you know, all of these things that, you know, were supposed to be helpful, but I was just like, eh, that's not, that's not, that's not for me. So I would vent with my friends. We'd go out and have some drinks, you know, on Friday night, Friday um, happy hour. And I would vent, we would complain, we would do all the things to help us to feel good in the moment. And it just, it, I didn't know it at the time, but that is certainly not what I needed. And we, previous to the school year in July of 2014, we got our new puppy named Oliver. He's outside snoring outside of my door right here. And uh, we lived about three minutes away from the school. So he was still kind of, we were just kind of training him. So I would run home, um, not literally run, I would drive home really quickly and let him out of his, his kennel that we had. And he'd go to the bathroom, I'd put him back in, get back to school. And I would have just enough time to kind of get myself, you know, mentally prepared for the rest of our day. It was about 1 PM. And this particular day after venting, complaining, searching, not finding, continuing to power through, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to ignore it. You're just being selfish. You're being, you know, you should be so grateful. You know, all of these things. I went to let Oliver out of his kennel and he had, for lack of a better word, crapped all over it, sat in it. It was all over him. I, it was the straw that broke the camel's back. All of the emotions that I had been shoving down and ignoring, they all came out. So I got him as cleaned up as I could, put him back into the kennel, cleaned myself up as best I could, drove back to school. And I was such an emotional mess that when I walked through the door, I get get emotional every time I talk about it because it was such a pivotal moment in my life. I walked through the door and my eight colleagues that I loved so much, we were such good friends, looked at me and my friend Jane, she goes, what happened? My husband was a teacher at the school, same school at the same, at the time. She thought he had died, quite frankly. That's how big of a mess I was over my dog, okay? Which had nothing to do with school, but also everything to do with school because it was that one thing that I needed to just make me lose it. And I remember the next day, crying in my car all the way to school and sitting in the parking lot and having to clean myself up and thinking to myself, is this it? Is this just it? Like, I'm just going to keep, keep doing this, keep riding this roller coaster. And that's, that's the year that I dove into self-help and personal development, learned of a man named Tony Robbins. So I, I just decided that I could not, I, I couldn't settle for it. And, and that's also where I started to search with like help for, you know, teacher burnout help, you know, like that kind of stuff. And it was just the same stuff over and over again. Take care of yourself, take a bubble bath, go for a walk, take deep breaths. And I think that those things are helpful. I'm not poo-pooing self-care, but I needed to have, I need to do way, way deeper work than that. I needed to have some hard conversations with myself, being honest with myself, with my husband, with my administrator. And that, that offered some problems because that's where I was really kind of shut down. And it just, I'm grateful for it, to be honest, because I think that it's moments like that, that you can, you can decide I'm going to choose this or I'm going to change this. And I decided to change it. And I actually did leave that school that year um, in December of 2015. 
I'm sorry, December of, yeah, it would have been 20, 2014 into 15. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing that because obviously that's a, that's, a, that's a very personal story. I'm curious as to, because there are teachers out there that cry in their car in the morning and clean themselves up and come mm-hmm. into school and mm-hmm. hide it or mm-hmm. try to hide it. And there are, are teachers that cry on the way home and don't tell anybody because they don't see people when they get home. Do you have any idea of what, what you expected or what could have an administrator done or your leader done to help you with that or to create a, a better environment for you? I think that in those moments where, where I was the, feeling the most defeated, I use that word very, <laughs> very symbolically because I had used that word defeated on Facebook talking about state testing how I just felt so defeated because we had worked really hard to help our kids. It was third grade. So we were doing, you know, I read and I step at that point. And uh, I was just, I just felt so defeated that we had worked so hard to help to prepare them. And then they, they didn't do well, which, you know, as you know, as a leader, those tests aren't meant for students to do very well on. Right. Right. But so I had said something and instead of, helping me by saying, okay, Amber, how can we help you to move past these feelings of being defeated? Because again, this isn't about you. This is, this is about, you know, how you're going to move through this. I was shamed in front of my, in front of my colleagues for setting a bad example when I, it wasn't also, I wasn't talking about our school, you know? So I think that this, again, what would have been the most helpful is to say, Amber, we noticed something is, is totally off. Like, what, what is it? What, how can we help you? And what I really needed was somebody to say, how can I help you? But what do you want? What do you want? And I could have then told them, I know that I want to change. I don't know if I'm, I knew that when I started teaching that I didn't want to, that I, that I couldn't see myself in the classroom for my entire career in education. I, I've always been very honest about that. I didn't start teaching knowing that that's where I would end my career. If I did, great, if that's what I wanted. But I, but I didn't want to, but I didn't know what I wanted. I, didn't, I knew I didn't want to be a principal, but it would have been really, really great for, for my administrator to say, what do you want and how can I help you? Because I just noticed that you don't seem very happy where you are, you know, but instead they did take it personally. They thought it was a personal attack and that's not what it was. And gosh, this is the first time I've really talked about it in this deep of a way. But I think that it's important for people, leaders to hear this because it wasn't personal. It made it worse that, that, that it was made personal. Because then I was like, no, I can't even talk about it. Because if I talk about it, then I'm just made to be this negative, nasty person who hates my school. And that wasn't the truth. That, that wasn't what it was about. So I'm hearing you say the most important thing is for leaders to step back and not take things personal, not take yeah. ne- negative remarks necessarily personal without digging into what might be lying underneath that. Right. Because what happened is it became very punitive, which is sometimes what happens in the discussion of burnout or frustration is it becomes we're, we're not talking about that because that's that's negative, you know, and and there are teachers too, like when they have ideas or they have thoughts, you know, of, of how they can um, maybe improve a practice or a, a procedure that's being done where they have an idea of how to how to improve it and help not just themselves, but other people involved where, you know, it's not even considered like we don't talk about it. This is the way it's always been done. This is the way it's it's going to continue to be done. So it's it's things like that, that it's like, we just want to, be, again, going, it's almost like we're coming full circle. We just want to be listened to. We just want to be heard instead of just completely shut down. I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm so glad you said a certain phrase with that because I, I want to talk to you about 
the importance of reflecting on these things because mm-hmm. it's it's important for leaders and teachers to reflect on the topic of burnout because you said the way it's always been done. And that is the most anti-reflective, damaging mindset that I've ever run across. So, mm-hmm. but before we do that, because that's going to be a bigger conversation, I'd like to take just a couple minutes to um, hear from some of the sponsors of the show. Today's podcast is sponsored by Better Leaders, Better Schools, the podcast that inspired me to start this one. Since 2015, the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast has released hundreds of episodes with millions of downloads. Subscribe and listen each week to great conversations on the topic of school leadership. I use Anchor to distribute the Seeing to Lead podcast because I find it to be the best tool to suit my busy schedule. Anchor has everything I need all in one place, offers hands-free distribution to everywhere podcasts are heard, and is free to use. I can use anywhere from some to all of its features based on what I need at the time. On top of all that, you can be mobile, recording, editing, and distributing all right from your phone. You can also easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. All right, everyone, and we're back with Amber. And we were, you know, we were just talking about a lot of the things that a leader can do to help teachers that seem to be going through burnout. But it's it's more about the idea of listening as a human being and paying attention to the human being instead of taking things personal and ways you can go with that. But one of the key things for a leader to do before they can do that or a teacher to do before they can really figure out what they need or what's going on is reflection. And that's a huge topic for people. But usually when they hear reflecting, people automatically go to the idea of a half hour meditation or, you know, some long journal entry that takes them a half an hour to do. And they say, I don't have time for that. I can't do that. So do you have any tips, tricks, strategies, or examples, Amber, of things people can do to help them along with their reflecting? Of course I do. (laughs) And uh, this is actually, so I kind of let you in a little bit of the first step of burned in, which is begin where you are. And this is where you start to pay attention. You're really paying attention to your feelings, to your thoughts, to your triggers, especially. And um, so that's one way to reflect is you don't have to sit on a hilltop with butterflies and rainbows <laughs> with your you know fingers touching sitting on your knees to reflect like it's simply about and and I am going to use the m word I am going to say mindful okay but it's just simply paying attention to how you feel and when so that then you can move to the why why it bothers you why it's happening okay so the second step in burned in and I'm just kind of that's kind of a quick flyby of b because there is more involved but you is understand your teacher brand And I think for principles, I'll start with principles, okay? You can understand your teacher brand too, because what a brand is, is it's what a teacher brand is, it's no different than a brand of a restaurant. Let's say McDonald's versus Burger King versus Taco Bell. You, they're each a brand. You either love them or detest them for different reasons. And it's based on repeated patterns of interaction. Like you've gone to Taco Bell 15 times and each time they screw up your order and your taco soggy. You're never going again. Okay. Like, right. That's a brand. I love the example. I love the example. You're talking my language. You're talking Taco Bell, Burger King. People hold brands like this too, where because of repeated patterns of interaction, they can predict what you're going to say, what you're going to do before you even do it. Okay, we especially know, we know our families more than anybody, right? Like our parents, our own children, our partners, that we know their brand so well because we are around them so much. We know them. We know what they're going to say before they even say it. 
that's that also holds true with teachers. And this can also be associated with a legacy with how are your students going to talk about you when you're not around, you know, in whether it's next year, how when they're a parent, how are they going to talk about their second grade teacher? So this is what they know and remember about you. And it kind of goes with Maya Angelou, right? Like people are going to forget what you say, what you did, but they're never going to forget how you made them feel. This is this is your brand. And for principals, your brand is so important because it's going to determine whether or not a teacher even believes that they can trust you if they're struggling. And if you've shown a repeated pattern of behavior that shows that you don't care, that you're a manager, not a leader, and that your bottom line is test scores or whatever it is. And this, again, I need to say this too, because I talk about this in the book too. It's not about judgment. Okay. So anybody who's listening to this, if you're all of a sudden having like a gut check, I'm not judging you. And that's the hard stuff. This is self-care we're talking about right now. This is the real self-care that will last and will create lasting change in your life. When you have those gut check moments, that's a time to reflect. It's not a time to become a victim. It's not a time to become angry or offended. It's a time to reflect. And you can become aware of your teacher brand simply by paying attention to the five W's. So who do you hang around with the most? Where do you hang around with the most? What do you say the most? Like, what do you hear yourself saying? And, and those are just a couple of things that, that I talk about with teachers. But one thing too, that you can really reflect on, and it's something that's actually so easy, is what you say to yourself right away in the morning when you wake up. What, what do you tell yourself right away? And then throughout the day, what do you hear yourself saying? Because that is one way, because your behavior is after so many things going to follow your beliefs and your thoughts. Okay, so whatever you believe, if you believe that teaching sucks, if you believe that this is going to last forever, if you believe that that you're worthless and that no one cares, you're going to continue to tell yourself that all day, all day, all day. It's going to reflect in your talk, what you say. It's going to reflect in what you do. It's going to reflect in how you engage with your teachers. And that's a ripple effect. And I know, Chris, we talked about this, right? Like we talked about that, that the leaders are that outer circle that care for the teachers so that the teachers can care for the students. I will never forget when you said that. I have, I've talked about that before <laughs> since you and I have had that conversation. And it's so important because if the leader doesn't show a brand of caring, and even, even if they're showing their, their caring by saying, gosh, I don't even know how to, I don't even have an answer. That's right. just, that sucks. Like, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you find an answer. You know, that's a brand. But if the brand of the principal is they will always have an answer, whether or not they really know the answer or not, but they're going to just tell you how it is, then no one's going to trust them to be authentic and empathetic whenever they need that. And then the, th- the same thing holds true for a teacher, especially, you know, if a teacher is having a really hard time with their students, for example, um, and they're really burning out because their students are apathetic, they're not doing their homework, they're really disrespectful. It's hard. And this is some gut check stuff too. Like you got to look at your own brand. Okay. How are you in get, when's the last time that you had a conversation with a student about something other than the project that was late, you know? That's a brand. And it again, I'll go back to this. We already said this, you know, the relationship between a student and a teacher is really no different than the, than the relationship between a teacher and a leader. There has to be a lot of trust, a lot of respect coming from, from both ends. And when you're feeling burned out and disrespected and super negative, this is a really great chance for you to look at it. If that's what you've been projecting into the world, that's probably what you're going to attract back to you. 
especially after a certain amount of time. But if that's not always the way that things have been, this is a chance for you to go back to B, okay? I used to really enjoy walking into this classroom, but in the last 12 months, I dread it and it's showing and I'm exhausted and I'm frustrated and I'm angry. So that's a chance for you to say, this is not who I am. Or for a leader to say, this is not who you are. I know you, I've noticed changes. So this is paying attention to what you say in your head is the number one thing that you can reflect on. And it just, again, it just takes paying attention. And what I encourage teachers to do is to either write it down throughout the day. If they're really truly doing this work, write it down throughout the day or record a voice memo. Just seriously record what you're saying in your head. I hate this. You know, that you might be going walking into to, to a meeting or something like that. I hate this. And then to go back and to listen to say, okay, let's get to the bottom of this. Why do I hate this? And then playing what I call, and this is reflecting on your challenges is R. I'm already getting into R. Okay, why? Why do you hate this? Okay, you hate it because of this reason. Why? What, what's, what's the why behind that reason? So it's really getting to the bottom of what do you want? And why do you hate this so much? Or, you know, why is this so hard? It's it's a number of things. And what's really great about this is that it destigmatizes burnout as somebody who's just, they just need to quit. You know, they're at five years, you know, this is just not for them. They need to quit, <laughs> right? That five year and, you know, but it also gives people a chance to be honest with themselves and say, you know, I used to love teaching second grade. I don't know if second grade is for me anymore but I still want to teach. So maybe I need to move to first grade or third grade. And then they can look for opportunities there because there's sometimes shame associated with the want for change or the obvious need for change. And that, and that's what this process helps people to do is to pay attention, really be honest with themselves about what they want, to pay attention to what's causing them the hardship, how long it's been going on and helping them to actually move through and change it. Because if you don't change it, or if you, yeah, if you don't change it, you choose it. So, and, and the fact of the matter is, is, you know, leaders, principals, you chose to be a principal. You chose to be a leader. There's no possible way, unless you are teaching under a rock or living under a rock, that you don't know what a good leader is supposed to do. There's no possible way, but it's doing that stuff that's hard. And if you don't want to do it, that's okay. And this is what I tell teachers too. If you don't want to teach it's okay. You're not a bad person. People change careers all the time. But do you want to stay in education or do, or do you not? You know, so this just opens that, you know, something else, you know, as a teacher too, is that you're supposed to offer your students choice. It's the best way to empower your students. So why shouldn't teachers feel like they have choices in their career and in their life? So that's, I, I, I'm so, so sorry. We started talking about reflection, but it's just, it goes so much deeper. <laughs> and just for anybody listening, they just got a seven minute masterclass, like the express version <laughs> from you on reflecting in some of the steps. I mean, we're going to talk about your book later because I, because we had, we had spoken earlier about doing a book giveaway, but uh, the idea of what you're talking about really does hit reflection and self-care because it's honest, it's hard work. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to like the answers that we get. Reflection isn't just about feeling good about what we're doing. It's about uprooting those negative feelings that come from that negative self-talk and then addressing them and seeing what the, what the issue is, what the real issue is, so we can actually fix it. Now, you mentioned a couple of things. I mean, just going back real quick. And then I'll let you go on another seven minute rant if you want. No, I will try not to. I'm <laughs> no, so sorry. No it's, no, it's good. Don't be sorry. It's good stuff. Um, I, you know, the idea of what your brand is, 
reminds me of something I did to remind myself of that or to, or to discover that. I did a poll with teachers and had them write down three words that come to mind that describe me. And I had them Have do it on Menti. Uh, <laughs> no, I, <laughs> they, um, I did it on a Menti. This was right after, I think this was a little while after I was on your podcast like two years ago. I did it on a Menti, so it was a word cloud. And so mm. they did this. I have, and I, I have, I'm not going to tip my computer so you can see it. I have it hanging over my desk, words that describe me as a leader. And whenever I have any kind of issue or difficulty or, or look to struggle with a decision, I want to make sure I'm true to who I am and what my brand is. And so I look and, and I've adopted your language already. So it's, it's contagious uh, <laughs> saying it's my brand, but I look at how people view me as a leader to see if I'm living up to what they, what their opinion of me is. And what you just touched on is something that's so important about the burned in process. And for those of you listening, burned in is meant, I came up with burned in teacher because it was 180 degrees different than burned out. Um, We hear about burnout all the time, but what's the opposite? Well, burned in is the opposite. So when you go through this process and you have done this really hard work, because the process is simple, it's eight steps, but it's not easy. It's this hard, scary self-care that takes time and it takes work. But once you go through it and you know the steps and you've done that work, the burn in process is not over. It's it's really, I said it on a podcast a couple of weeks ago, it's a lifestyle. Like it's, it's continually coming back to when something is really bothering you, you're starting to feel those symptoms of burnout creep in that you do exactly what you just said you did. Okay. That you begin where you are. Okay. What triggered this? Have I been shoving this down for a while or is this just starting? All right. So that's B, begin where you are. You is saying then once you've gone through this process, maybe once or twice or even three times, how would somebody with the brand that I want to project into the world, how would somebody with my brand handle this? Because what it does then is it brings you back. Like you're right, because I I can tell you from firsthand experience that my first instinct when things don't go my way is to freak out, is to just freak out and get mad or cry. Like that part of me is never going to go away. But I know how to tame it now because I can say, wait a minute, how do you want the person on the other end of this line to remember you? Okay. It actually happened yesterday. Okay. I was not happy with somebody on the other end of the line. And I had to cool my jets because I interact with this person a lot and say, how do you want her? Like, she's obviously going to know this is not your brand, but do you really want to go there with her? Like, it's not worth it. Chill out. They're going to figure it out. It's fine. And so I was able to kind of talk myself through that because brand is so important to me. So it's, you're right on the right track, Chris. Well, that's good to know. Right on the right track. (laughs) (laughs) The the other piece that you mentioned is, is really powerful. The idea where keeping track of your self-talk, because Mm -hmm. we all know how impactful self-talk is. And so the important part of that is the voice memo piece, because Mm -hmm. Voice memo isn't just going to, it's not just a simple way to do it, but there's a difference between me walking into a meeting and saying, oh, I hate these meetings and I hate these meetings. And you'll be able to pick that up in a voice memo. Mm-hmm. You'll be able to pick up the the inflection and the tone in your voice, which yeah. will then maybe help you lead towards you're disgusted with these meetings or you're just too tired to do these meetings because maybe they're a waste of time. Yeah. Or, you know, and, and the thing is, is, you know, I don't know how much you have heard about, you know, self-talk and how important it is to pay attention to in general, but you repeat 90%, 95% of the things that you said to yourself today, you said yesterday and the day before. 
Like that's just kind of ingrained, you know, Seth Godin calls it your lizard brain. It, it's what keeps us safe. And it's, it's built, that negative part of us is built into our biology. But that doesn't mean that we can't take some control of it and, and create what I call a rebuttal for it. Because 80% of those things that you repeat are negative. They're negative. That lizard brain is meant to keep you safe and keep you the same and keep you stuck. All right. What used to keep us safe back when we were having to hide from tigers and hunt for food, you know, it's still part of our, it's still part of our brains. And, and the first step in, in really creating those rebuttals is identifying what you're saying to yourself. Because one per, one teacher might just have this, and I know you're going to identify with this, might be such a, such a perfectionist that they continue to sabotage their own growth because they're not going to do it unless it's perfect. Well, if you're paying attention to what you're saying to yourself as that perfectionist teacher, if you're saying, this isn't, if it's not perfect, it's not good enough. It doesn't look like that Pinterest picture. It's not good enough. If it's not better than the teachers down the hall, it's not good enough. We, we would love to say that we don't have that competition part in our brain as high achievers, but we do. To have, and I'm looking right now at my agents of change, to have that rebuttal that says, no, I'm brave enough to just try things and I'm going to make mistakes and I can learn from them and it's okay. And I don't have to be the best. It's okay to sometimes just be just good enough. And I think that goes back to that conversation that we had about energy. You know, like we can't give 100% of our energy to 100% of our tasks every day. It's not possible. So that being said, and talking about the different things we do and being okay with where we're at and doing the best we can, you're almost near the end, but I have two questions sure. that I have to ask you that I, okay. that I ask every person. The first one's about you. The first one's for leaders listening to the podcast. Perfect. If you were not doing what you're doing now, because I consider you a leader because you're out there leading other people to help them, who, not what would you be and why? I love learning. Yeah. And I, I can't see myself being out of the complete education space in that way um, where I'm not teaching somebody something. So see, that's a good answer. You would be somebody that's still helping others through issues that they may have through teaching 100%. and learning. 100%. Well, my one, okay, so I did this through, through N of Burned In, Nurture Your Strengths and Habits. I have done a lot of learning about myself and my own strengths. And my number one strength is futuristic. My number two strength is activator. Excellent. So I'm, Always, always, always. And another one of mine is influence and woo. So those things <laughs> that I, I just love talking to people and addressing problems. And I have to hold myself back because I just want to give them all the answers and say, okay, this is what I would do. And you do this and this and this, but uh, the best leaders are listeners. So just doing a lot of listening and asking. And um, I just, I love that. I love that part of what I do. And if I didn't get to do this job as a teacher burnout coach, I would definitely be still in a position where I could ask questions and learn more and, um, and help in any way that I could. Awesome. So that almost leads into the next question, which is for the leaders that are listening. The golden nugget of the whole thing. What's the most important piece of advice you can give to leaders as they work to better support, engage, or empower their teachers? Build your own self-awareness about yourself first and think about how approachable you are. Because if we're talking about, you know, you, you said support, empower, and engage, okay? Are you somebody that a teacher would want to come to for support, empowerment, and engagement? Have you projected to them that you want to support them, that you want to empower them, that you want to help them to engage in their life? Because if not, then there's some inner and outer self-awareness that, that needs to build so that you can... Um, be approachable in that way. Excellent. So you've reached the end. And now what we can do is 
I want to do a book giveaway because you've got a fantastic book out there. And so giving the book away, how should we do this? Uh, it'll be something with Twitter. Okay. Um, but um, we we were talking earlier and we thought maybe it could be something about, I want to be a burned in teacher because, mm-hmm. and then put a reason down and tag you, um, which is what's your, what's your uh, tag on Twitter? All social media at burned in teacher. It doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> Perfect. That's the best way to go there. Yeah. <laughs> so at burned in teacher on Twitter, tag me at Dr. C.S. Jones on Twitter. Use the hashtag C2Lead, that's S-E-E-T-O-L-E-A-D, hashtag burned in teacher, and hashtag hacking teacher burnout, which is the title of this book. So, okay, the first person to do it and we'll get a book out to them. Yeah, that sounds awesome. All right, perfect. So you've said a ton of things here about a lot from reflection to listening to being a human and approaching others as human beings instead of the different roles that we may play. What's the best way to get in touch with you for people? And I, I know you have a ton of links that I'll put all in the show notes. All this stuff will be in the show notes, a link to your book, things like that. Mm-hmm. What's the best way if they want to reach out to you? A- email support at burnedinteacher.com. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And of well, course, you can DM me on any of the social media platforms as well. There you go. Well, I, I can't thank you enough, Amber. This, uh, this conversation did not disappoint. I, I was excited to have you on. And I think you, you've given a lot of good advice to a lot of people. Thank you so much, Chris. It was such an honor to be here with you. Keep doing all that great work that you're doing to help our teachers be burned in instead of burned out. Thank you. You know, I will. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you'd like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Learn more at drcsjones.blog. Continue to improve and go have a successful week. And now a quick word from our sponsor, Jigsaw Learning. Whether you lead at the school, district, or division level, you're serving a wide array of students, and you know that no one person has all the answers when it comes to meeting each of their needs. That's why Jigsaw Learning helps leaders and their staff and faculty to develop a collaborative approach. Every child deserves a team. And when you put together the pieces of effective collaboration, you can realize that team's full potential. Connection relationships, and authentic collaboration are at the foundation of Jigsaw Learning's work. Through professional learning presented on-site, online, or a blend of both, Jigsaw's team of experienced learning associates works with you to develop a personalized plan to help collaborative response thrive in your organization. Learn why educators have described working with Jigsaw Learning as powerful, wonderful, and beneficial for all students. Visit jigsawlearning.ca and connect with the team for information. That's jigsawlearning.ca. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, 
check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E.